Hey, man, what's going on? Hey, Jay, what's up, man? You ready to talk movies? I'm ready to talk movies. Let's do it. Hello, and welcome to episode 37 of Fear and There, your remotely recorded horror movie podcast. Uh, this is another very special friends and family edition of Fear in There. Um, it also marks uh, two other firsts for us. One, I think the first episode where I've been in the same place as everyone on the episode. Usually we do some, some part of the conversation over the phone. Keeps the stench down. <laughs> <laughs> you, uh, you, you got a little taste of one of our first guests. Uh, and then the uh, other reason this is exciting is I think this is going to turn into a, a double header. I'm not sure. You know, you'll know by the title of this episode whether we ended up doing it. But in this episode, we are talking about the 1984 classic Ghostbusters, and most likely also the 1989 sequel Ghostbusters 2. Uh, if we don't talk about Ghostbusters 2, forget I said anything. Uh, but tonight, I am joined by two very special guests, two members of my immediate nuclear family. Um, we have uh, we we have me. I'm Jay calling right now from the lovely town of Merrimack, New Hampshire, where I grew up. And uh, why don't you introduce yourself first? I'm Andy. I'm his dad. I help <laughs> bring him into this world, and I can take him out. Oh, <laughs> well, the other one too. But yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Um, and other guests, would you like to introduce yourself? Uh, I'm Eric, Jason's brother, with a far better beard and understanding of the world. <laughs> Is that true? Absolutely true. Well, I don't know about the understanding of the world, and and better is very subjective for the beard because your beard, you kind of look like Duck Dynasty right now. So, yeah, I take that with pride. Um, so pops, are you excited to be on the podcast? Sure, overly excited. Hmm. Not What's sure which way you guys bring this podcast, but. I'm here to learn, here to go on. Yeah, so it's funny because we've been working on him for a couple of weeks now. See, you say working on him, but I really think that you just kind of told him he was going to be on it and then continued to remind him that that's he was going to be that's on about it. That's the long yeah, and, and he never really agreed until last night when he said, hey, yeah, so uh, what time are we going to do that podcast? And he was basically just like, we're doing that thing? We're doing this podcast? <laughs> so. Yeah. yeah, is that about right? Close enough. <laughs> Well, so this uh, this episode is going is exciting because um, we're we're talking about Ghostbusters. Um, the the sort of reason this came about was I really wanted to do an episode with my dad. We Eric here, who has been a repeat guest, um, I think this is your third episode, third time on the podcast. Yeah, um, which is great. And we we talk. We've been talking about this for year years. There's this section of cinema history that we like to refer to as the Schneider classics. And where that comes from is if my dad's sitting there 8 p.m. on a Wednesday, mom's gone to bed, he's flipping through the channels, if he sees a movie on TV and he just can't resist and has to stay on it, it's most likely a Schneider classic. Eric, you want to name a few Schneider classics for the, for the gang? Well, there's Twister. Yeah, that's the gotta love, Schneider Gotta classic. love some Bill Paxton. Yep. Saw that um, in theaters, though, didn't you? The rumble of the surround sound? No, no, no. Twister was the story where he had first got the... Um, it was right around when we first got the addition put on the house, and it's wired for surround. And um, my bedroom was attached to this living room in the addition, and I'm in my room one night, and it's about 11 p.m., and all of a sudden, the entire house starts to shake. Like, the whole thing's coming down. <laughs> and I come outside, and Dad's standing there with a remote, basically yelling, you can really feel it with the subwoofer in here! <laughs> Crank and twister, really trying to get like that mood in there that there was a tornado in the living room, and everyone needed to wake up to see it. <laughs> <laughs> That, do you remember that it's moment? Probably close. Yeah. When, when you first put it in, you're trying to find things that create effects you haven't heard before. So that's about the right time. Let's see, but other Schneider classics put Jurassic Park on that list. Yeah, not for me. No. Yeah? Ah, see, I think he knows. I would put on that list The Rock is one of them. Mm -hmm. The Rock for sure. Maybe Air Force One starring Harrison Ford. You like that one? Starring um, Harrison Ford. Thank you for clarifying yeah, that. Yeah, I'm glad that you're here. I think he's one of the best film presidents. Um, probably Blues Brothers 
but that's maybe more of a you movie. No, no way. Definitely, like, if you're not involved in that, I definitely was. I think Blues Brothers was actually the first R movie that I ever saw. Yeah. Yeah, and, and I think I, I would say... Um, then you can get into some strange ones. Like, I have an association with Apollo 13 being a Schneider classic. You've seen that a number of times. Yeah. Yep. Um, yep. Well, at any rate, so we were trying... Well, you're missing the best one. Oh, what is the best one? Back to the Future trilogy. Oh, yeah. yeah. Right, well, right, 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 right. Come on, that Field of Dreams. Yeah. Oh, Field of the Dreams. Natural. Oh, I don't know about the natural. The natural. I've only seen the natural a couple the times. I don't know. Got into our well, personal zeitgeist. If you're talking about things that attract me when I'm flipping through cable at night and stop, <laughs> that's one of the ones. That, that those are the ones that I'll stop at. <laughs> okay. Definitely a big. And, and, and Chevy Chase yeah. vacation movies too. You were definitely a big fan of Gone in 60 Seconds. I remember when that came out. Yep. Um, so, okay. So, uh, we, the reasoning for this is, is uh, I had to find the very narrow center of the Venn diagram between Schneider classics and horror movies. Um, and, you know, Ghostbusters isn't actually a horror movie. I would call it horror adjacent. It's definitely the subject matter. is very Halloween friendly. We're recording this episode on October 30th, 2021. So just the day before Halloween. So it's very festive. Um, and, uh, you know, honestly, it's one of those, one of the only movies that I knew I'd be able to get my dad in front of a microphone for because I, uh, so like the running joke was normally when people watch, you know, people will jump onto this podcast, I tell them, Hey, Watch this movie within a couple of days of the podcast, so you know it, so it's fresh, and we can talk about it. Um, I we watched this movie last night together, me and Dad. Eric, you were I don't know off somewhere. I watched it today. I did my <laughs> homework. Thank you. But I was like, Dad, when was the last time you'd seen this movie? And he's like, oh, I don't know, three weeks ago maybe. <laughs> and and at any rolling point in life, you can ask him that of any Schneider classic, and he will probably answer. Well, the same when way. we were planning this, you were like, I think I want to do Ghostbusters. I'm like, why do we want to do that? He goes, Well, it's a Schneider classic. I feel like Dad will be able to relate to it more. But also because I feel like if he didn't have time to watch it, it wouldn't matter. Because I bet you he watched it at least at most a month before the podcast itself. Yeah. And first he asked him, he was like, so when's the last time you saw Ghostbusters? He's like, well, it was about a month ago. <laughs> Literally. If you watch it enough times, it doesn't make a difference how recently you've seen it. Oh, it's very true. Well, that's a fair point. How many times would you say you've watched this movie? Ghostbusters? Yeah, you ballpark it. 50. Okay, so we haven't broke 100, you don't think? No. Okay. okay. I don't think I've broken 100 on any movie. I don't, I'm not that addicted to Is this the most watched movie? movie what is the most no. watched movie of yours back to the future yeah. probably okay cool which i i think is actually kind of thematically similar in some ways um well well that's great uh normally we uh, this part of the podcast is devoted to giving each guest's context with these movies what did you know about it how did you watch it what were you looking forward to um i think we pretty well covered that with dad over here um but eric i'd love to hear your association with this movie other than just it being a schneider classic I mean, I, I think that it definitely was like a childhood thing for me because um, what year came out in 84? 84, yep. Yeah, so I was born in 85, so when I was basically old enough to start like kind of watching movies and stuff, this was what, you know, yeah. mom and dad's generation was into was, you know, these movies like the Dan Aykroyd stuff, you know, SNL things. Mm -hmm. So we watched it, and, and at the time, Ghostbusters had a huge... Um, like toy situation going on. So I had tons of Ghostbusters toys growing up, watched the movie all the time. Um, I literally remember we had a copy of Ghostbusters 2 that was literally on a tape that was recorded off of like a free HBO weekend we had or something. Because I remember <laughs> right at the beginning of it, there's like channel flipping going on because I'm sure that they were yeah. trying to find the right channel and it was already mm -hmm. recording. And I remember... That, like, clockwork, I watched that movie so many times that, like, it's weird to me to watch it and not have the intro start out with, like, channel flipping <laughs> on, like, like weird commercials well, from the 80s and 90s. Dad, you were saying that Ghostbusters, was it two that you got the VHS or the first one on your business oh, was, trip? So, this is, so last night, we got dogs barking yeah, upstairs. Standard fare around this place. So last night, on October 29th, we were watching the World Series. It was play, taking place in Atlanta. Go Braves! And at one point, they panned up, panned sort of 
and one of those aerial shots that shows the stadium and everything around it. And as they panned away, I saw a picture of the the Omni, um, the, the, was it the Marriott Omni? I can't remember which one it was. The Omni, <clears throat> Omni Hotel Atlanta. And it reminded me that in the late 80s, I was at a business conference there. And this is before, the stadium wasn't there at that point, right? But the Omni Hotel was. And I was at the event there. And I remember going to a couple local shops in between meetings. And remember, it was there that I bought the VHS copy <laughs> of Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters 1. So the one that we had in the house came from Atlanta that I bought it because I couldn't find it up here near. So Was it just like sold out of everywhere around here? It was just, uh, you didn't buy things. Back then it was blockbuster rent. Mm. You didn't buy things. So when VHS tapes had been out for a while, they ended up on boxes where you could get them for like five bucks, three bucks. Yeah, right, right. So that's when I bought it because I knew that we watched it a lot. So instead of waiting, trying to find it on some HBO channel... We'd get one so you could watch it. So that's it was like probably late eighties, so it was before Ghostbusters two, but after Ghostbusters mm. one had been out for a while. I mean, perhaps right around when I was born. Potentially. Hmm. So this, this movie is my birthright. I expect that copy of Ghostbusters one in my will, right. please. <laughs> no, you guys don't throw any VHSs. It's gotta be around oh, here yeah. somewhere. When we started cleaning out, a lot of those went bye bye. <laughs> well, um, that's funny, Eric. I, the toy thing is true. I think there was like some bur- a Burger King run or something. Um, and yeah, I remember you having like a lot of uh, love Ninja Turtle toys. I didn't realize, but Ghostbusters definitely was kind of a in, in IP in this house. Mm-hmm. That was uh, that was definitely prevalent. Um, well, I think that that covers the uh, the context section of the podcast. Um, and before we jump into the meat of the discussion, the spoiler section for Ghostbusters 1 and 2, um, we usually like to go around the horn and uh, give just a general binary, would you recommend this film to someone who has not seen it or not? Seems a little silly for Ghostbusters, but we're going to do it because I'm a sucker for process. So, uh, Eric, why don't you go first? Yeah, I mean, definitely would recommend it. 1 and 2? Yeah, both of them. Both, both, I'm a little okay. biased for you know, nostalgia reasons, but also they're classics. So I think that it's something that if yeah. everybody wants to be a cinema fan, it's necessary that they see the Ghostbusters chapter of cinema. Not the newer Ghostbusters. You don't like the girl one? Well, you don't have to put it that way. It's not like I'm saying it's... I, I hate it pretty that girl. funny. I, like, I, I, I don't like know. It's, it's just like... I mean, we'll probably get into it later, but Ghostbusters is completely 100% yeah. surrounded by the idea of the style of humor between, you know, like Dan Aykroyd... And, yeah, and um, Bill well, Murray. It was, a, it was and, decidedly a different thing because I don't know that this movie works. If these guys are the same three guys in the same attitude, I don't know if this movie works in 2020. Just the humor people are looking for, what people want to see. Um, but we'll talk about that. Um, okay, so you're a yes, Dad. Ghostbusters one and two. You think you should see it? Think they're still worthwhile? Well, you can't see two without seeing one first. Okay, so you definitely recommend and, one, right? And but the other thing that's really interesting is is I'm really interested in Ghostbusters Afterlife, which is going to be released That's uh, Yeah, that's the canon which, reboot. Like, yeah. No, it's it's a follow-on to... Yeah. It's it's not like the Ghostbusters that was made a few years ago with the female cast, which was sort of a, a re-swizzle, re, uh, if you will, of Ghostbusters 1. Right? Re-swizzle. Well, <laughs> I think reimagining a swizzle it. stick yeah, in there, yeah. yeah. But, but it had no context about the previous one. Yep, yep, Afterlife yep. is sort of a follow-on to the first two. So it's yep. sort of like... You consider it a trilogy in some ways. Right? Mm-hmm. But, yeah. But, I mean, you just got to go into Ghostbusters, the first one, without without being too serious about it, right? It's 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 not a yeah. horror movie, even though it's one could consider it part of a genre that's horror, but it's really more comedy. I mean, you've got to be able to absorb he, the comedy. Uh, you bring up an interesting point because I was thinking about it. I think that the second one tends to have actually a little bit more horror elements yeah. to it. The first one, maybe a little bit, but like in the second one, you know, like especially talking about like the scene. Hey, how, am I not allowed to? We are pre-spoiler. Respect it. Oh, we haven't I didn't... put the spoiler wall down. Is that, talking I'm going to let scene? you pick that thread right back up in a second. Okay. You recommend? Yeah. Cool. That was really long-winded. I recommend one and two. I think one is funny. Two isn't as funny, but actually ends up being a little more serious feeling at times and, a, and more, maybe more put together of a film. Um, so 
I like number two. I think it's a generational association, why I consider number two to be a good movie. Um, so we're going to bring some boomer millennial energy into this. But, uh, yeah, so I think that's three resounding recommends. So um, that that concludes the intro section. If you have somehow gone the last nearly 30 year, 40 years, rather, um, having not seen Ghostbusters 1 and 2, uh, pause this podcast to go watch them and then come back because we're going to put the spoiler wall down right about now. <laughs> and there it was. When I do post-production, Dad, I put a little sound effect. And, you know, yes. But, you you know, it's the, ma- the magic of post-production. Can you imitate the sound effect for us? No, it's it's evolved and morphed over time and, and it, you know, I put it through like 18 different reverb plugins. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Maybe I'll add that one. Um, so, Eric, one of my discussion topics was about how Ghostbusters 2 feels a little more horror. There are some key moments, so you were going to mention a specific scene. Go ahead. Yeah, the scene where they're in the, the, the subway tunnel, the abandoned subway yep. tunnel, yep. and, you know, like, they're sitting there and they're like, is that a train? And Dan Aykroyd's just like, no, no way. These tunnels have been abandoned for 50 years. And, and then they do the echo thing. Yeah, and then there's like all the Words. severed there's all the severed heads. Yeah. And yeah. like that like seeing a lot of yelling and like really intense music. I think one of the things that happened between the first and the second one is um, cinema style kind of evolved a little bit. Well yeah, they I think the first one is notoriously a little bit of a ragtag production. because um, I don't know that they knew it was gonna be as successful as it was. The the budget started running away. Well it's an SNL movie, right? No. So so I asked the same thing of you, Dad, and I, I'd love to get into that in a second, but um to put a to put a, a finer point on it, I think the second one is definitely they had a better idea of what they were doing and they had more confidence from the studio that it was going to be successful after the runaway success of Ghostbusters One. So mm-hmm. um I think that's part of what you're saying. It is a little bit more of a mature film at times. But yeah, that when we were when we were like adolescents watching that part. I was, uh, you know, I've said it before in this podcast. I was a little bit of a horror movie wimp when I was younger, um, and uh, I blame you, by the way, for making me watch The Shining probably far too early in my life. Um, but uh, that scene where they're in the subway is like truly terrifying. I, I remember the build up to that, and then they turn around and there are all those severed heads, and then they turn back around and they're gone. Like it really, it really is a scary kind of five minute segment. Um, Dad, your thoughts on that segment? Have any thoughts on that? I just you don't think it was scary? Back to a time when we had a rescue from a movie theater when you were uh, freaked out by another movie. But yeah, yeah, I was. We saw we saw the Mummy in theaters. I must have been about ten, and I I wasn't freaked out from a horror perspective. That movie, you know, spoiler alert for the beginning of the Mummy. Mummy, but that movie contains some pretty advanced scenes of like torture and stuff at the beginning of that movie that are pretty alarming to watch. Like, people getting buried alive and thrown into caskets with scorpions and scarabs and stuff. And I just remember that that movie. That movie's uh, it's good. And, and, you know, shout out to my boy Brendan Fraser having a little bit of a comeback right now. So, that's good news. But to answer your question, two, two had more <clears throat> impactful stuff. I mean, the first one had more um, fantasy-like things, you know. The top of the building blowing up, the the the, yeah. the dogs, you know, tur- people turning into dogs and stuff. It was more fantasy like. Yeah. When you look at the, uh, the the scene at the end of Ghostbusters two with uh, with Vigo and trying to take the Oscar the baby take over that yeah. one, that was more you related real life stuff because it was a real it was if it stuff. was their stakes felt a little higher right. and a little more grounded. Right. It was, yeah, I mean, it, it still had a. You knew it was going to be okay flair at the end of it because of the way the movie is, but they definitely took a whole different approach. I mean, just yeah. in general. Why do you think that is? Do you think like they were going for it as a true comedy at the beginning, and do you think they they didn't feel like a comedy? The first is this- one was too silly. Yeah, I mean it, the things that they did was more slapsticky kind of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The first one and the second one was comedy. And it still went out there. I mean, the Statue of Liberty walking. I was thinking about that today when I was watching Ghostbusters 1. It was like, do you think when they went to the writing board for the second one, they were like, dude, I mean, we got to have a big thing walking around crushing cars. Right. It has to be. <laughs> what, what is the natural evolution I, to the Stay Puffed Marshmallow? I got, I got the impression when I watched, I really focused intensely on the 
special effects of the Marshmallow Man scene, and I was digging into it, and like, really just thinking like, okay, I think maybe when they went and did the second one, they were like, we could have so much more cool special effect, like, destruction things going on in if we did the whole big monster scene correctly and they kind of changed the narrative of it by having it be like a good guy big thing walking around yeah like that scene where they crush the car and ray's just like that was my fault sorry (laughs) he's like yelling from the statue of liberty down the middle of like broadway aren't they like (laughs) using an original nes Oh yeah, controller that was. I think that's like one of your favorite parts. Is they just because we had that exact yes. joystick controller yes. and they just whip it out. It's got all this circuitry right, and wires right. hanging out of it. In the in the unfinished basement, Atari. Yeah, you can't the rest of Ghost of the. Hey, that Atari might be worth something now. It's in sorry shape. It was used. A sorry Atari. A sorry shape. Okay, so one of the things that was interesting. To me, so I, I did a little research about Ghostbusters. You can see this in the movie. I think you hit on something interesting, Eric, when you were talking about the SNL lineage of this movie. Obviously, Aykroyd, famous SNL guy, Murray, famous SNL guy. Um, it was to the point where I just sort of assume everybody in this movie was was on SNL. Like I assume Rick Moranis was on SNL, but I didn't. Neither of us remembered if he was. Um, but see, now you're squinting. Yeah. You're, you're you're free to look it up if you'd like, but um, I feel like I'm on a trivia night, and that's just yeah. That's just uh, was Rick Moranis ever a cast member on SNL? Um, what's I think most what comes through most obviously in that category with this movie, uh, I, in a little bit of the research that I did in this movie, there's a scene, the scene where Lewis goes back into his apartment, um, and uh, Rick Moranis mm-hmm. goes back into his apartment to the party. Right, and he's like talking to everyone, and he's talking about how good a deal he got on the crab dip, and like, and you know, you know what I'm talking about, Dad. He's he's a nerdy accountant who's like, oh yeah, I, I I can get these for I can get these generic brand for half the price. That apparently that whole take, was, according to half-assed internet research, was uh, totally improvised and totally like unscripted. It was just they were like, do some do some stuff. For this party, some awkward party hosts. Um, yeah, yeah. While we while we wait for this big dog to come, and you know, you, you know one of the things that I think we don't give enough credit to, at least in our generation, is actually how funny Rick Moranis actually is. Um, a lot of the movies he's that, incredibly funny. I know, yeah. A lot of the movies we equate him to, he kind of plays like you know this kind of squeaky, yeah. like slightly dumb character. But I'm curious, Dad. You know, given that you were younger in the generation of Rick Moranis, like what movies stick out to you that you really thought he were, was yeah. great in? You can't say Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Not allowed. That's the only one he mentioned. That's the only one I remember. Come on, really? What do you got? You what was, wasn't he one of like the Canadian moose things? What was that? Uh, yeah. Do you remember what I'm talking? No, no, no. They were like a duo. There were two of them. They were very famous for being well, like Canadian, ultra Canadian. Right? Yeah. Very Canadian. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I knew that. You can't just say, oh, I don't know what movie's in, but he's in Canadian, so I get credit. So he was in SCTV in Canada, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, um, so he wasn't on SNL. No. I mean, see, the, you guys are equating that, that Ghostbusters was an SNL one. It actually had no relevance. I mean, besides having a couple actors, um, the, the directing, the producing, all that was not SNL-based, right? It was... You know, Ivan Reitman had this whole parallel series of things that he did, right? Yeah. Um, well, I mean, he did. I mean, didn't Ivan Reitman do Kindergarten Cop or something? Like he he, yeah. had, he had a comedy lineage, so you know, it's not SNL per se, but no, it's an interesting point. That so, but what I'm what I'm saying is, I I do think a good portion of this movie was improvised. I think particularly a lot of Bill Murray's lines, like. <laughs> There's the line, the line where he's like, where he's like, oh, it's a state puff. He's just he's a sailor. He's just get he's on shore leave. We'll get him late. He'll be fine. Like that was not written. There's absolutely right, no way. So Bill Murray and Bill Murray especially, but Dan Aykroyd to an extent, yeah, are great improvisers. Right? They do that kind of stuff. That's what they do. Yeah, Second City and all that. Yeah, yeah. I have Second a, City's not them. It's, Aykroyd was Second City. I'm pretty sure. Thought. 
I have, I have a uh, homework assignment for for pops over here. Completely wrong though. Um, you should sometime, and I don't know if you'll be able to stomach the whole movie, but you need to see the scene of Zombieland with Bill Murray in it. It what is you bringing Zombieland. I'm in? just saying, like we're talking about Bill Murray, and I'm sure he hasn't seen it, but I, mean, I laugh the, every one, time. I mean, you just spoiled it. One of the greatest cameos of all time. He's not going to go watch Zombieland unless he knows Bill Murray's in it. Well, okay, fine. okay. So anyway, so to get back to your original one, so in SCTV coming out of Canada. Um, Rick Moranis was in called it was, the show was called Great White North, okay, and it was Bob and Doug McKenzie or the Canadian buffoons that talked very Canadian, yeah. Stuff, right? That's that's what it was, and that I I remember that now, but that was sort of the lineage when he started to show up in things like Ghostbusters. Yeah. He was in things like Spaceballs and oh, duh, uh, Spaceballs is the Rick Moranis movie for me. Oh, so he kind of had. Was he in the other, uh, other whatever movies, um, oh, the other Brooks movies? Was he in those? What Brooks movies? Mel Brooks movies? Yeah. Like Blazing Saddles, Blazing Saddles and yeah. stuff like that? Yeah. Well, let's look here. Dad's just on his phone looking stuff up. Eric, um... Did the impro- improvisation strike you a little? Because what's interesting watching this movie, I do really think a lot of this was. I, I think they had storylines, but I, this feels a little bit like a like a Will Ferrell, John so, C. Riley thing. Yeah, but there's for the a 80s. lot. I, I definitely think that there was a lot of real personality between Aykroyd and um, Bill Murray and uh, mm-hmm. what the hell? Oh my god! Why can't I remember his name? Who played Egon? You mean Egon. Yeah, but who played him? You want me to tell you who played Egon? Dude, I'm having a brain fart. It's the Session IPA. I'm telling you. It's the the Session IPA. Harold Ramis. Harold Ramis, yeah. Um, I I really got the sense that, like, it was a lot of, like, the way that the three of them interact with one another on a personal basis. You know, um, (laughs) there's a lot of scenes where... uh, Ackroyd will say something and Bill Murray will just kind of like be super dry and passive with him like sarcastically yeah but I definitely I want to bring up the quote that me and you talked about when I first got here um they're like like, yeah everything was fine and then and then Captain Dickless over here turned off the reactor and then Bill Murray just says with a completely straight face it's true this man has no dick and I really want to believe (laughs) <laughs> that Bill Murray completely improvised that yeah, line yeah. and everyone on set died laughing because <laughs> it's absolutely perfect. But I, I think that if it wasn't live improvised, like on set, there was definitely like a sit down like 10 minutes before they were going to film. Mm-hmm. And they're like, you know, I think it'd be really funny if you said this, you know, and like, cause, um, Harold Rimmis and Dan Aykroyd both wrote it. Right. They were um, they were the writers. They had, at least yeah, at least Ramis. I don't know if they were the writers, but yes, that is correct. Sorry, I'm doing doing my research. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And oh, apparently Rick Moranis is uncredited as a writer on IMDb, but perhaps he came it came out later that he had a hand. Yeah, in. I mean, this is one of those things. Is I think definitely when you're writing sketch comedies, mm-hmm. um, you have to like go in and when you get the actors on set, like you bring in these comedians because they're clever and they're funny. Yeah. And if they didn't have a hand in the writing, they certainly probably sat down and said, you know, I think it'd be a lot funnier if you just scratch this yeah, out I mean, and put this you, instead. Yeah, how do you give writing credit? You know, versus like moment organic moments. I mean that out. that thing on IMDb probably came up in an interview sometime later, and they said you know like Rick had a much bigger role in rewriting some of the parts than like initially, right. or like you know right. he was consulted on a lot of the writing but didn't do the actual meat and potatoes of the writing. Yeah, no, that's a good call, um, Dad. I have some <clears throat> more kind of historical questions because you're the only person who in this podcast here who was alive when this movie came out. Um, so by like, by like a, a year, a year. Yep. Yeah, Eric, right. Eric just missed the cut. Um, story. We both life. were technically alive when the second one came out, but certainly not watching Ghostbusters. Yeah. I mean, even I was only four. Yeah. So, so, okay. So my first question, dad, when this came out, was this like when it came out, I know it is a thing for you now. When it came out, was it a moment for you? Like, did you go and see this in the theaters? Did you no. have friends who liked they, it? They like, built it? They built it up on TV by having the logo show up and things like that. But I don't recall mm-hmm. jumping right out and seeing it. It's one of those movies that you watch it. It's, 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 it's a movie that was not necessarily really popular when it first came out. Yeah. They hyped it up, but it started to get more popular over time, especially through... Remember, this is the time of Blockbuster. 
where people would rent movies and renting movies at home. So there's what happened to the theater and then what happened afterwards. And this is a genre genre and the period where movies were starting to get more popular for people renting them, taking them home. Yeah. So, I mean, and that's where I started doing it. I mean, then you start to watch it and you start to listen to the, the things that occur and then you start doing the quotes and things like that. Like like the, the famous quote, back off, man, I'm a scientist, right? Right. And that and, and the funny part is is all through the movie you you think you think back saying, Where was that in the movie? And then it, it like, happens and right, you're right, like, but, but you remember where it was in the movie. It was at the very beginning where they're interviewing the lady that the librarian <laughs> back up, where man. they're asking where they're asking whether she's had a you know, whether she's menstruating now or not. Does she have anybody that's <laughs> Oh yeah, and then that, that kind of nerdy guy's like, What's that have to do with it? Back off man, I'm a scientist, <laughs> right? So, so I mean it's those sorts of quotes that you remember when you do this. Right? Well, you know what you know what I, you know what I think like what it brings into my mind if we want to talk about like a more our generation thing where it was a movie that people were just kind of like what the fuck is this? And you know nobody really got it, but then it became a cult classic yeah. over time. Napoleon Dynamite Anchorman, falls into that category Anchorman for sure. Yeah, Anchorman maybe to an extent, but like Anchorman kind of came out right at like the very beginning no. of Will Ferrell's like big big. Anchor, like, Anchorman was not a successful theater run. Really. Hundred oh, percent. Well, but yes, I, I I agree with everything that you're saying. I think these movies develop a life of their own, and that's sort of what I'm driving at here with this SNL improvisation sort of yeah, it's, thing. It's that kind of comedy that, that yeah. became popular. Quotable, then. funny. But what's interesting about it is there's a co- high concept nature to this movie. I, it's kind of silly to call Ghostbusters high concept, but this is a concept movie. This is like a theme movie. They could have done any movie where they were delivering these sort of one-liners, these the silliness, but they chose Ghostbusters as a theme. They were like, "We're going to have a silly Slimer. We're going to catch ghosts. We're going, you know, this is going to be the thing." Um, I wonder, like these guys. So, so you know, the movie that comes to mind is Blues Brothers as sort of like a counterpart to this movie. It was vaguely around at the same time, just before it, right, a few years, um, and it's Aykroyd. It's got the improv thing, but that came from an SNL skit. I, and, and I asked you this question before, because I just generally didn't know, did Ghostbusters come from an SNL skit? And you were like, no, but it feels like it could have. Right. You I mean, know what I mean? It's probably, a, I mean, remember when Saturday Night Live first came out in the late 70s, early 80s, it was a bunch of ragtag yeah. comedians and comedians that were there. And they, they threw ideas. They would go into meetings and they would just throw ideas. The problem is, when you're in a live broadcast, you've got to be able to do four to five minute skits yeah. tops. Well, how do you do a Ghostbusters sort of a skit? Because you've got to build up on it. It's right? a lot so of it's explanation. Probably, it's yeah. probably something they came up with during their brainstorming mm. that didn't fit and expanded. Blues Brothers is an example because Blues Brothers started there, but the story that it told about its band and everything yeah. else that did it. Um, had to be told more broadly. That's why it made it into a movie, and why other skits never really. I mean, you know, Coke, Pepsi, you know, th- th- all those kind of things never yeah. made it into the fro- broader, uh, broader movies. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a nice lineage of SNL skits becoming movies. You know, there's Blues Brothers. You mentioned Coneheads yep. as one, um, but even more modern ones. There's Night at the Roxbury. Was was an SNL skit that became a movie. I'm not saying that's a good movie, yeah, but I was going to say I sort of lost it after. I mean, remember I was to show you how old I am. My freshman. This my, is that boomer millennial stuff I promised everyone. So, my freshman year of college was fall '75. Was when Saturday Night Live started. Yeah. So every Saturday night, you, you know, we would get find somebody that had a TV in one of their dorm rooms and just sit around with beers and watch it. And you'd get back for 11:30 to watch it. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. Harold Ramis was actually National Lampoons. Is that correct? I think correct? so. He wasn't Saturday Night Live. There's no question. He wasn't mm-hmm. Saturday Night Live. I, It's definitely interesting. Like He's Canadian too, right? A lot of Canadians. When you watch... I've watched a few like really cool like uh, biopics and documentaries about um, you know comedy between 75 and like 89. And everybody in like that comedy scene were intermixing all kinds of like crazy ideas and yeah. stuff. There were so many sketch shows out there. You know, people were Mad TV. Out. Yeah, people were pushing the limits with the comedies that they were coming out with and things. What was the what was the uh, what was the Canadian sketch show? That I'm, I'm for, the name escapes me now. Did you call it SCTV? That was the group. I mean, I don't remember what. There wasn't really a show. I, I mean, thought there was a sketch show. I mean, it doesn't matter. We're, a lot of uh, you know my my scant listeners here. There might be a few listening that are 
true improv comedy fans and SNL historians there whose ears are on fire right now because we're totally butchering the entire lineage of SNL. There are people who know who came from Second City and who came from Can you know, the Canadian group and all this stuff. But the point I'm trying to make here is this movie was this idea was written on a cocktail napkin, I think. And just like Blues Brothers was, just like Coneheads was, just like, you know, this is a cocktail napkin idea. And I dad, I really love your take that this was probably we don't know nobody knows but maybe if we researched a little bit that's not my style um nobody knows this for sure but it probably was an snl skit that never made air that never made made to rehearsal or something because they couldn't make it work in the short format so i like that take i like that idea Um, I i think to an extent um you know, every comedian that has a you know hand in the SNL process tries to bring ideas and concepts to the table, and a lot of the time they just don't make the cut for it. And eventually, those ideas broaden into yeah. something else down the line. Yeah, As I'm sure that's happened countless amounts of times with comedies. Right, right. Yeah, it's a good that's a good point. Um, so I have two more quick things before we jump to the closing sections where you guys can share what you want. Um, Dad, another historical question for you. The bombshell heart heartthrob in this movie, the the se- sex symbol in this movie, Scorny Weaver. Yep. I my, my presumption is that, like to me, Sigourney Weaver is always you know the attractive older woman because that is what I've seen most in her movies recently. To you, was she like I don't know, like a Angelina Jolie or like a like a Jennifer Anna. Can you can, can you give her a modern counterpart to like what she cuz she clearly is serving as the love interest in this movie. Actually a very funny performance in this movie. A very very nice foil to Bill Murray's like callous advances. But what what is your like association with Sigourney Weaver in 1984? Like what what is this for you? So I have to tell you that when I think of Sigourney Weaver I do not think of um, Ghostbusters, even though she's in it. Of course. I, I agree with you there, for the record, because I, I don't associate right. her with this. Be- because, because before Ghostbusters, her real breakout role was in Alien mm-hmm. in 79. Right, right. Where Rip- she played Ripley and sort of that badass that went through all the aliens. Yep. So when you think of Sigourney Weaver, you think of a woman that's attractive that could play a a role like in, she tried to do in Ghostbusters, but she's one of those ones that was attractive but a, sort of a badass at the same time, mm. right? So you think of her in that way. I don't think of Sigourney Weaver as as sort of a, a bombshell. So you don't you don't see well that that's what I'm asking because I don't see her that way either, and I I didn't think that was how she was sort of cast and how she was because of this alien mm-hmm. sort of prospect, but. Um, it's I mean, yeah. It's hard to remember. I mean, I'll I'll look to see, but I'm trying to remember the other movies that she was in, right? Mm-hmm. Um, let's see here. Let me just double check. <clears throat> she wouldn't have been an, an, on a poster on your wall. That's what you're saying. You want to know who was on the poster of my wall when I was in college? Oh, we yeah. definitely want to know yeah. that. No, no, no. That that, this to, whole podcast was developed to, to get I mean, this answer. Remember that we're talking, I was in college from the mid-70s onward, right? And it was stuff like um, Charlie's Angels on TV, Farrah Fawcett. Oh, uh, yeah, Farrah Fawcett. We're talking, yeah. this is a long time ago. I mean, I was. It wasn't crack, too long cracking after, open a Schlitz. You it know? wasn't too long after Laughing was on, so you had Goldie Hawn that was part Goldie Hawn. Yeah, I mean, the, we're talking really old school stuff here, right? I don't think Sigourney Weaver was really uh, universal sex symbol. Not true. They're, they're playing her a little bit like she is in this movie, but I think that's more just because Bill Murray in this movie is just like a complete like dog. For no reason, for almost no reason in this movie. Well, there's also that, and there isn't really a scene where they add any gratuity to her character until no, no. she gets, you know, possessed, possessed by Zool yeah. and starts making pretty lewd comments <laughs> for a movie we watched as kids. There, are, there are a couple like fairly lewd scenes in the movie. But, but you got to so just to close on, yeah, on Scurdy Weaver. And I, I didn't remember this until I started looking at the list because she was in, so she was in the alien stuff after Ghostbusters. Um, she was in Working Girl. Remember, she was sort of like this nasty yeah. woman that was in Working Girl. But she also was then in Galaxy Quest. 
Oh yeah. And then remember Holes, the movie Holes with um, the guy. Remember Shia the guys LaBeouf? were drilling holes. Yeah, it's Shia LaBeouf. Yeah, um, that's a book. Right, but but she was the 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 badass woman that was right. Yeah, guy. she was the villain. The, the villain that was in that thing there. The main villain. Yeah. Yeah. She was. I mean, we can't. I mean, come on. The best. The best Sigourney Weiner. Wiener. Sigourney Weaver. The best Sigourney Weaver cameo. Are you going to talk? Do not spoil. You've already talked about this. You've already talked about this movie in a podcast. Not, no, this is okay. not made well, an episode. And it will be a future episode, so don't you dare. Don't you dare. You really haven't talked about that movie? That's correct. Oh, okay. It, anyway, is, it has been anyway, promised you, to someone. That's to close the book on Sigourney Weaver. So, yes. is she an attractive actress? Yes. But that's not how people mostly. She, I mean, she has a Scream Queen. Lineage, alien, right. alien alone gives her that. Um, as it's interesting. Okay, cool. Um, so the other point that I, I wanted to touch on um, a little bit with you. So okay, so when I talk, when we were talking about which which one of these movies to talk about, I wanted to do Ghostbusters two, and you scoffed at that, and you said the Ghostbusters one is where. All the quotes are. It's where all the all the good stuff is. I see Ghostbusters 2, as Eric and I have already talked about, I see Ghostbusters 2 as a little bit scarier, a little higher stakes, but also a little more grounded in something that, like, I understand what you're worried about. Something about a giant marshmallow guy walking around doesn't seem all that, all that like, realistically scary to me. Um, I mean, whenever, or alarming. They, whenever they try to put him put him away, they use the term roast him, you know. Yeah, so, yeah, exactly. But yeah, but you're right. The end of um end of Ghostbusters 2 with Vigo the Carpathian trying to steal the to steal Sigourney Weaver's baby and like sure. it's you know, it's 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 a different it's a different theme that they're going after. But you you were pretty adamant that if we're gonna do one, it has to be the first one. Now ob- the obvious reason is you're not gonna watch two without watching one, but why? Why did that alarm you so much? That that oh, Ghostbusters two. It didn't alarm me. Okay. I mean, so you got to remember what draws me to movies yep. is that when they come out with a movie, the very first one, anything that comes after that is based off the first one and is trying yep. to either fill gaps or do things the first one didn't do. To me, the first ones are the original that you go back to the Back to the Future trilogy. Look, if you look at that, most of what you think about when you think of Back to the Future is the stuff that happened in the original one. And yes, did they have different plot lines and different things in the other ones? Yes, right? Even even Alien, almost every movie like that, the first one is where they laid the groundwork and where some of the more memorable things are because they were, they were testing the waters. They were trying things. So mm-hmm. for me, if you st- talk strictly horror-wise, I would agree with you. The, the second one is more horror A little scarier, yeah. But the first one is the one that I relate to more because it's what started it all. Right. Okay. And and you know, I mean, the, the whole concept of crossing the streams, I and mean, they they were learning what those <laughs> what those proton packs did, right? I, I heard that you say that quote weekly well, yeah, in daily it, life because because <laughs> in work in, in work you do things <laughs> that when they're done separately are usually effective, but sometimes you got to put them together. Mm. And when you try to bring two things that have been parallel together. It's crossing the streams. Mm-hmm. You're not sure what's going to happen when you put them together, right? I, I think what's interesting he about... He uses it on a business call. That's great. I think, <laughs> Jesus. Um, I think one of the things that I find, find interesting about the two movies is they almost like clearly didn't want the second one to be a sequel in the sense that it continued a story, but it was a completely separate yeah. story with the same dynamic. Because right at the beginning of the second one... They somehow went from the end of the first one where everyone's like, yeah, Ghostbusters, woo, thank you, you saved the city, to the second one they're like getting sued by every state, county. <laughs> well, there, is, there is that continuous. I mean, you know. Yeah, they're like, a little bit, but they just kind of shrugged it off. They're it's like, like, yeah. It's like, it's like Kevin McAllister in, in, in Home Alone, right? All the things he does to the to the um, uh, to, to the, 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 the sticky, robbers, the, the sticky, sticky slash wet bandits. Right. Yep. You sit there going, how can they survive? What's the ramification? When is the other shoe going to drop? And what they did in Ghostbusters 1 and 2 is they said, look, they are now paying for all the crap that they did. And yes, everybody was happy they got rid of the ghosts. But, you know, there's there's flattened cars and there's building mm-hmm. that blew up. And, you know, and, and they went in, in the ballroom in that one hotel and blew it apart at the very beginning. Right. So, so to me, that was an interesting one because it set the stage 
for how they were going to approach things in the second and why when they wanted to try to get help from Lenny, the mayor, at this, in the second one, mm-hmm. why the guy that was his, his, uh, um, his, his chief of staff didn't want to let Lenny go down the road again that he did the first time. Yeah, right. it was funny because at the beginning, they go, they're at that party in the second one, and the kid comes up to him and goes, you know, my dad says you guys are full of crap. <laughs> they're like, what? They're like, no, like, well, you know, people have, uh, you know, like, had their own opinions and uh, believe what they want to believe. It's like, no, no, he just says that you guys are full of crap, and that's why you guys went out of business. <laughs> and it's funny to me because, like, in the second one, in the first one, they literally are like, Ghosts are destroying the city. Yeah. And then for some reason in the second one, everyone still thinks well, they're full I, of crap. That party at the beginning, it's like, we, I wanted He-Man. Yeah, He-Man. He-Man. Yeah. Oh. But it, it's interesting. It is a theme that some of these franchises take on. Now that you're pointing it out, I mean, it is a central theme of some of the Marvel Cinematic Universe storylines where, you know, the original Avengers movie, the first one, they destroy New York City to save everyone. Mm-hmm. And then two movies later, they have to deal with like signing some sort of like UN agreement to not do this because they're destroying cities. So it is an interesting take. It's funny that we're talking about Ghostbusters having done it before that. Everyone thinks it's an original idea. The Ghostbusters are the original Avengers. You yeah, here yeah. First. basically. Yeah. It's, it's a team up movie. Uh, <laughs> Anyways. Um, yeah. So I think that that's. That's most of what I wanted to cover. I I, I think I have like a, a formative uh, appreciation of this movie. I do think Ghostbusters two those bits of horror kind of shaped what I look for and what I find scary in uh, later horror. So so it it was uh, important to me to kind of put them together. I don't think either one should get its own episode in retrospect. Um, do you guys have anything else you wanted to talk about before I jump into the ratings section? Uh, it's okay if you don't. It'll be interesting to see the the, the, the third Ghostbusters. The oh, Afterlife. Yeah, you said yeah, you were Afterlife. excited about I it. I mean, well, it's kind of interesting because what I've heard and what I've seen is it tries to to tie the old in with the new. And it'll be curious to see whether it takes a more serious... Well, the trailer, the teaser trailer for it is really cool. Right, like the way right, they it do is. it, yeah. So it's, it's... Remember, those movies were done, you know, what, 30, over 30 years ago, 35 mm-hmm. years ago. And... Special effects sucked back then. Right? Yeah. They, they were they were very primitive. Well, now they're going to go into this, and, and it's not. I mean, the unfortunate thing is the female Ghostbusters came out and was way over the top. I mean, it was special effects all over the place, different kind of comedy trying to retell the story. Mm-hmm. It'll be interesting to me to see how they carry that story lineage through an entire generation to new new people fighting ghosts with what special effects they use while bringing in the old cast. So for me, I'm sort of excited about seeing that. What is? Do you think the old cast have big parts in this movie? I haven't watched any of the trailers. They're all in it. I mean, if you look, they're credited. I don't know how much they've got in it, but they're credited. Yeah, it, this it's got, movie, it's got um, um, Paul Rudd, right? And it's also got like Finn Wolfhard, the dude from Stranger Things or whatever. Or not Stranger Things. Yeah. No, yeah, Stranger Things. Stranger Things, yeah, yeah. okay. They, um, this movie, this, this third movie, has been talked about by cast members of the original movies for... More than 10, 15 years now. I remember way back in the day when I used to listen to the morning show on WFNX every single morning. Shout out, miss it. Um, and uh, they, they literally they, they talked about that a couple times because they had had like Dan Aykroyd on like as a guest at one point. He literally said, we have this idea in the making. We just don't know how to pursue it yet. So what, what year was this? 2000. Seven two thousand eight. WFNX is not a thing anymore. Nah, huh. nope. They were on the radio, and then they were off the radio, and they were internet only, and now they're nothing. Yeah, they're gone. Yeah. Mm. Interesting. Yeah, I'm excited for it. Um, Deb, what's it going to take for uh, Afterlife? Or is it Afterlife? Is mm-hmm. What's it going to take for you to be excited? For you to like like this movie? Paying true respect to the yeah, universe. I mean, I mean, not try to. Not try to pretend the first one didn't happen. Not try mm-hmm. to redo over. Not try to change the storyline. I mean, it's going to have its own storyline, but the but the way it's re- going to recall the original one will be important. Well, the way they tease it, and I cannot believe that we haven't even talked about this in this entire podcast, is is finding Ecto one, right. like in the barn, like all covered it's up. It's actually Ecto one A. Yeah, right. We talked about this at dinner. Ecto one is in the first one. Did they get us another car in the second one? No, it's just they're all and they're all old. Uh, what's the brand? Cadillac, Cadillac, Cadillac ambulances. Hearse. It's hearse or ambulance? Ambulance, ambulance right? right? Yeah, like an old fifties ambulance. Yeah. Then. 
was safe. But I mean, what they did was is the, <laughs> they changed the license place in New York between the first and the second. Oh, I see. Yeah. Because remember, the key in, in Ghostbusters two is how does he know yeah, what to use yeah, to take? Yeah. Remember, they're trying to think what's goodness. This everything's so bad. How are we going to get the goodness? And he's looking at the license plate, and, and it says Ecto one A because they went to a from an old. You know the old uh, yeah. orange New York plates to the one with the Statue of Liberty, right? Yeah. So didn't you? Some people originally apparently was going to say Ecto two, but they didn't want to say it to imply that it was a second car. Yeah. So they did Ecto one A because what they did is they add all, added all the modern stuff to it, right? Mm. Yeah, it's interesting um, the way that they <laughs> the Ghostbusters in the movie tend to tout themselves as being like um, like part of like the public service situation. Like there's a yeah. scene in the first one where. Rick Moranis is like has has been taken over by the um, the key master, yep. and the cops just show up with a paddy wagon. They're like, "Well, we didn't want to put him in lockup, and Bellevue didn't want him, so I don't know. We figured maybe you guys knew what to do with him. So you guys are in this, into this weird the, shit. Just like in the way that they they peddle the Ghostbusters in both the movies is like with sirens on blazing, like there's a ghost emergency. We got to get there now. <laughs> I always thought that was really funny the way so, they do that. So there's there's one thing that I that I was thinking watching the movie last night. Yeah. So. Remember when, at the beginning, when Dana comes in and Rick Moranis sees her in the hallway early on in the movie, after after she's had the first one, remember she's had the first one where she sees the egg on the counter and all that stuff, yeah, yeah. and then things go away, she goes normal for a while, right? Then, what's he barking at? And then, um, and then, later on, she comes home one day, and she's trying to sneak down the hallway, and he invites her to his, that party thing. Yeah. But then he says, oh, by the way, the neighbor... The, neighbor, the, the neighbors have been complaining you shouldn't have left your TV on, Yeah, yeah. right? And he says, so to cover it up, I put mine on louder, right? Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. But the funny part is, is she walks into the, the room, the TV's on. What's the first thing she sees? Do you remember? Eggs? No. The ad for Ghostbusters. Yeah. For the Ghostbusters, right? That's how she knows yeah, yeah. that they're now doing this and stuff like that. So the question I always had was, was that something that the, the spirits tried to get... Hmm. To point her to lure the Ghostbusters in to this, was there any relationship, or was it just uh, some sort of a? I mean, it definitely was. That they just threw into it was a thing that was supposed to lead you to be like, okay, so her apartment's haunted. Um, it's doing sp- spooky poltergeist things, right, right? But I mean, it is interesting that that's what led her to it. At the very least, it's a little bit of a like, uh, you know. <laughs> So ex machina kind of like yeah. moment in that in the movie yeah. um, interesting interesting um, well great I think we've reached the rating section of the podcast um, as Eric knows as our listeners know but as my father does not know we rate our podcasts on two scales two axes if you will the first scale is a scale of scariness how scary was the movie that we watched Obviously, this one a little bit less scary than the usual films hey, we watch. Hey, don't don't try and sway my opinion here. Just yeah, yeah. just give us the ratings, there, rating boy. <laughs> Watch it. Crank out some jokes, there, circus boy. Um, <laughs> Make me a bicycle clown. Yeah. So, <laughs> uh, so this scale we call it the sheep scale. You rate it from zero to five sheep, as in how many sheep it took you to count before you could fall asleep it's a ridiculous rating but we came up with it and we're sticking to it uh, i think that's a new one i don't think you had the sheep rating the last definitely time. definitely had the sheep scale the whole time uh okay. so <laughs> yeah so zero sheep it's a movie for children five sheep it is very scary um and uh yeah so that's the scariness rating uh eric why don't you uh why don't you go first uh give me give me a rating that incorporates both movies please two two Maybe one. Maybe somewhere between one and two. So perhaps one and a half? Yeah, one and a half sheep, which is a little gruesome, but we'll just go with it. Cutting a sheep in half. There's some horror. Hey, tomorrow's Halloween. We, we can be a there little bit. There are horror implications with that. Yeah, so. Dad, is this a zero for you? Well, zero means I have no interest in it at all, I guess. I, is it, I mean, no, no, no. Zero means you're not scared at all of either movie. You well, I would, I would get it's between a zero and one for the first one, and a one and a two for the second. Yeah, okay. I mean, so maybe one, one and overall, a half, maybe one overall. Okay, yeah, that's fair. I was gonna give it about a. It's a dead zero for the first one, though. I will say, when I was a kid, the librarian at the beginning of the first one, when she gets all spooky, that I mean, was actually the scariest part of the thing because at the very beginning, where she's 
going around very tense. You go around, and then the, yeah. the thing goes after. Well, the, the, I mean, the whole library sequence, even when the Ghostbusters get there and go down right, there. Right, so, right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. When, they, when he goes after, when he's when. When he yells, you know, get her. Get her. Get her. <laughs> I mean, that's, that was scarier than actually anything else in the whole movie, if you look at it that I way. mean, I'm sure, especially if you watched it in theaters. Um, I, that scene is so funny to me because when, cause he builds it up. He's like, guys, all right. They tried a couple of things that didn't work. He's like, all right, guys, I think I've got it. Trust me, I've got a plan. They just follow me. He step, step, and get her. I'm like, what was his plan? <laughs> <laughs> to just tackle her? She's a ghost. So I think I'm gonna overall I'm gonna give this uh, probably a zero point five sheep to one to one sheep. I do think that the second movie has some scary parts. Don't go into the second movie if you have like zero stomach for scary things because there are a couple of parts that are pretty pretty um, scary. And there's also some conceptually scary parts. The backstory of Vigo the Carpathian. You know, kind of like a torture overlord who, like a, a horrible sort of biblical level um, demonic ruler, is kind of like pretty scary. So, um, and the flying uh, Giannis, the flying Giannis ghost with the strollers, pretty that's, spooky. That's creepy. It's a creepy. Yeah, it's thing. definitely yeah. creepy. There are some. I think that you know the the team deserves some credit some credit for creating some pretty pretty creepy visuals so because it was all when the baby was at risk right you know, everything yeah. you know it's, it's right. like the baby walking on the on the ledge right yeah and when the thing takes yeah. the baby and puts yeah. it in and it smiles yeah yeah it's pretty scary um great well so our second rating is a rating of general uh just general quality um it's your standard zero to five star rating uh sometimes we like to call them pentagrams today i think we're gonna call them uh blobs of ectoplasm uh, so from zero to five blobs of ectoplasm, how good are these two movies for you, Dad? You from an enjoyment perspective? Yeah, literally like a Roger Ebert score. I give it between a three and a four because it's just it's, it carries you through. Right? Yeah. Entertainment value. <laughs> you don't think it's terribly deep, but it doesn't have to be. That's what you're looking at here. I, I'm not into really deep movies. You have to think too hard. If you're going to a movie for visual enjoyment the ghostbusters moves quick it doesn't mm-hmm. get buried in anything too long there's always something around a corner mm-hmm. okay all right fair enough eric i give it a four yeah but it's a nostalgic enjoyment thing for me you know yeah. like watching these movies like i think genuinely they're, they're hilarious movies they're very funny um the plots are just so they embrace the ridiculousness so much that they definitely make it an enjoyable story to watch both of them. Yeah. But like, I think also to an extent it's like definitely throwing it on and instantly being thrown back into like, you know, my like younger kid years and watching yeah. them so many times and things like that. One of those things that no matter how front to back I can quote the movie, it never really gets stale. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It, it's, yeah, it's good. I, I think I wasn't, I didn't have this, sort of association with the movie until I watched it again last night. I didn't realize how quotable and similar to like one of you know, one of my more more contemporary favorites like the Will Ferrell movies, how similar it was. I mean, Will Ferrell's kind of singular in the way that he does it, mm-hmm. but Bill Murray, I mean, there's a reason Bill Murray's a legend and you can see it in this movie just he, how capable he is like running the show, you know. Yeah, he I just I just think that this is one of those movies that perfectly encapsulates his very unique style yeah. of humor. Yeah. You know, it's, it's the perfect role for yeah. him. Really funny. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I'm in agreement, guys. I think, I think I'm a four. Uh, this movie is just too iconic. These, this pair of movies rather, I should say looking forward to afterlife. Hopefully it brings, uh, brings forward the, uh, grabs the torch and carries it on. Um, bit more so than the Ghostbusters remake. Um, just for the record, dad, your problem was they remade it, did not keep it in Canon and didn't do a good job at the retelling. It was trying to retell the story. That didn't need, didn't need way. retelling. There was no context of the original one at all. Yeah, yeah. Gotcha. Cool. It's sort of um, like how many Spider-Man movies there are. Hey, they're, they're bringing them all together, though. You no, that's a rumor. It's, I don't think they're all going to no, be together in that. It's happening, dude. Oh, Mark my words. Garfield himself said he wasn't going to do that. What do you believe an orange comic cat <laughs> Um... Yeah, he's lying, dude. I don't know. 
Um, well, anyway, this is not a podcast about Spider-Man. This is a podcast about <laughs> Ghostbusters, and we have reached the end, folks. Uh, thank you so much for listening. If you have not done so already, please give us a follow on all of your podcast platforms. That's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to your to your your casts, uh, and uh, give us a rating on uh, Apple Podcasts. That really helps the channel. It helps us uh, reach new listeners. Um, or just follow us on all the social media platforms. You can hit us up at fearandthere.com. Um, and, uh, you, you know, we're on Instagram and Facebook and all that all that junk. Um, guys, thanks again it's for joining fun. me. Always, always it love was great to, on there. Great to make this a true family affair. It was nice to be able to sass you in person. Yeah, we can look at you when I'm talking. Well, a lot of middle fingers went up. Dad, how does this... How does this call compared to one of your school board meetings? Not a school board anymore. Thank yeah, you. but you were. But you uh, were. This is, uh... Actually, I have many work meetings that go this way. <laughs> they <laughs> always devolve into talking about Sigourney Weaver. <laughs> well, no, no, no. It's, it, sometimes the conversations just take a left turn. Would, would you say that yeah. these uh, these meetings are really crossing the streams for you? Yeah. Things cross the streams. The meetings themselves don't. God, get it right, Eric. Yeah, get I'm it right. right. I'm just going to bury my head in the sand. All right. Well, that wraps it up. This has been episode 57 of Fear in There. Thank you so much for listening, guys. Sorry, episode 37. I was going to say, we jumped 20. We jumped 20 episodes. Episode 37. My bad. Uh, Good night, folks. (laughs) 